0: Welcome back for another episode of the AWG podcast where we discuss the biggest topics and trends in the water sport and boat tour industry. Make sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and join our mailing list by visiting watersportpodcast.com. After you finish listening, continue the conversation in our Facebook group, Watersport and Boat Tour Operators. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show.
1: They come to relax. Enjoy the beach. Have fun and spend money. And that's where we come in. This is the Awkward Water Sport Guys Podcast. Find out tips on the best ways to market and operate a water sports business. If you're a water sports operator, you need to grow your brand, operate more safely, upgrade your operations, and of course, increase bookings. We're industry veterans broadcasting from Destin, Florida. This is the Awkward Water Sport Guys podcast, and this is Kevin O'Neill and Greg Fisher.
0: Do you know that you are one of the few people that, when I talk to, like, I immediately like, I'm, I'm like happy, like, uh-huh. like even before the conversation, like, I know, like, we're gonna have fun talking. It's yeah. not gonna be, you know, abrasive. It's just we're just gonna have fun. And yeah. there's like – I said, there's like a limited amount of people in my, my my close spaces that like I feel that way. And I think that's really important for people to, to like have that close circle of people that when you talk, it's going to be positive. I mean, it's not – I mean, there might be times where it's not going to always be be great. But at the same time, even when you're not having a good day, you, you can rely on those people and they're going to lift you up.
2: Yeah. like Kai, Like Kai. I think like that's what ended up happening like to the show. The show ended up like – Becoming this, like, almost like, like, I don't know, like, network, like, you know, like, it really became, like, an entrepreneur episode, and uh, I started off the show, I was going to try to organically sway it back to, like, how we... Re, like, because we weren't, we were talking before Greg hit record, and then Greg's like, Oh, we got to record this. So I was like, I'm depressed. That's how I started. Like, I'm depressed until I get to talk to Greg or, you know, guys like Kai and and, uh, the guests that we have on the show and like this network that. Um, I've been lucky enough to have, like, I feel like the show has sort of become like a de facto sounding board for, it's like our happy hour, right? So when our crew yeah, is yeah. off, they go out and have beers and they talk about the day and they talk about the bullshit they got to go through. We don't really, we do that like in an opposite way. So like happy hour when you're an employee, I feel like sort of becomes like a bitch fest, Right. Yeah, we, our relationship works inverse of that, and our network works inverse of that because you're not going to really call somebody up and be like, "Man, you know, uh, the you know, th- I'm dealing with my, my like whatever." Somebody quit, or you know, a bookkeeping problem, or like one of the nine hundred problems you deal day to day as an entrepreneur and a business owner. Um, we don't call each other up and do that. We just kind of like talk about the future. Like every once in a blue moon will it like kick in, like an aside, like, you know, something like, yeah, I had this going on. So it's like, yeah, that sucks. Well, and then we get back on, like, up to the the positivity train. So, I mean, yeah.
0: So uh, speaking, it. yeah, speaking of Kai, Kai Kaprow, um he is our guest today. He's from uh, Paddle Pub, CEO and, and founder. And it was a really good, it was more of like a how I built this entre- entrepreneurial episode. But, um, yeah, this is episode 50 guys. So we, we did 50 episodes. That's pretty phenomenal considering that, you know, where we came from. So i got to give ourselves a pat on the back and appreciate everyone for, for tuning in. I mean, I think we, we crossed the 5,000 download mark. I think it was, um, a couple weeks ago. So that's, that's pretty uh, awesome. And we got some, we got some updates. We got to talk about a few things today. Uh, first and foremost, um, we mentioned i think in the last episode that the arrival conference in october was rescheduled um and we didn't give a whole lot of backstory but i mean it, it covid is is getting bad again in florida um and i totally understand uh why they had to cancel it and reschedule it, I, it's, but I
2: bet you by I bet you by October it's a blip, man. I, I guarantee. Yeah, I know. By I know, October by- it is good, and and I'm not saying this to like pump up our own shit. Like I, I just yeah. I think they pulled the trigger prematurely. Like I get that it's in the news, but I think in another two to three weeks, like it's gonna start cycling out of the or it's gonna cycle out of the you know news cycle, and like you can already see that that like I've read three articles today that are now dealing with like uh the falling delta's peak it delta's peak well, I, like, if you can start I, to see you know like the next
0: well it's piece, not piece of the narrative. i don't think that they wanted to to can't uh, do that the, the issue is is that all the contracts they have right. it's a 60 day you know a window where you have gotcha. to let so you know they they probably didn't want to make that call they probably would have wanted to keep it going but it would it could have been a huge loss if things did not turn out
2: no, I, I get it. But I just, I really do think I, by, by the time I think even like maybe 30 days out, we're just going to, you know, and again, and, and, and now to pump up our shit, like if, if that's your concern, I really, and I, maybe I'm wrong. I'm, it's very seldom that I am wrong, but maybe I am wrong.
0: <laughs> so, uh, um, <laughs> if you have a ticket for arrival, just hold it. They're going to re- announce the, the event. Uh, they said they're going to have it in January with new dates, a new location, probably out West, uh, I think they said um, there's. I heard like Vegas. I heard San Diego. I heard Phoenix. I heard Denver. I mean, there's a whole slew of different options, but it's probably going to be out west. I heard uh, Alaska. Is... Alaska? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually have been cool. I, I would love to go there. Hold on to your ticket. They're going to announce it and go. And we actually still plan on doing a water sport event if it's when it's out west too. But let's talk about the event in October. So. When we heard that the event was going to be, or Avril was going to be rescheduled, we got with the organizers and said, hey, we would love to still have the Water sport Forum. A lot of the listeners reached out to us and asked if we could still continue to do the event, and I said, "Yeah, let's let's do this. Uh, we don't. It's not going to be as large of event. Obviously, we're expecting fifty to one hundred uh, people at the the forum. You know, we can we can manage this a lot easier. So we went and created a full day event. The forum was supposed to be just the roundtables, but now we have a full day event. We have presenters. Uh, we have Justin Buzzy from Get Up and Go Kayaking is going to talk to us about branding and social media. We got Jason Crotto from Horizon Revenue Management, talk about pricing strategies. Douglas Quimby, CEO of Arrival, is going to come down and, and moderate and do a presentation. So the Arrival folks are still going to have a presence there. Um, uh, we got a really solid event. And one of the best things to come out of this is I know some of you were hesitant on the price of arrival because, you know, you had to have an arrival ticket to f- attend the forum. But in this instance, you don't have to have an arrival ticket. It's going to be $100 per person. And that includes lunch. It includes the pre and post parties. It includes the event. Uh, you only have to book your, your room, which we are about 99% sure it's going to be at the Rosen Plaza and I drive. We got a group rates at 139, dollars and I'm gonna make sure this is all in the show notes uh, so everyone can look at it. But we've actually had about 25 people already sign up, and we just need 50 to put this and, on. So I hope look, I look, didn't, let me jump in. Yeah, let me jump yeah, in. Yeah, go, ahead, let, go ahead. Let
2: me let me let me let me let me pitch let me pitch pitch for real pitch. Listen, if you guys are coming to a rival for, uh, for like the network networking possibilities. Um, and you think, man, you know this is such a small group, water sport you know like it, like if if you're just coming for even you don't care about the content, all right, oh, I know about branding and social media, oh, I know about pricing strategies, oh, I know about company culture, I know about all this shit come for the networking i mean if you can walk out of there with five people that again like it's 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 so valuable you know for a hundred dollars to go and spend the day with a bunch of like-minded people it has been a hell of 18 months man like it's it's been a really 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 long season man so uh come to orlando uh even if if you if you want to just i mean my god have you had the steak the steakhouse is there incredible and you get an opportunity to come and sit down <laughs> with a bunch of like-minded guys and have some drinks mm. and add some phone numbers to your to your to your contact list because the 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 i've logged i mean 50, 50 shows we have logged a lot of time and a lot of effort into this and i can tell you that the the networking that this show has provided provided us has been it's just, it's immeasurable. Like the friendships, I mean, the the return on the investment of time that we put into this has been awesome. So you get to skip 50 shows and just come and reap the benefits of the network that AWG has been trying yeah. to uh, 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 cultivate.
0: Yeah, it's going to be quality over quantity. Uh, Absolutely. That's, that's kind of like our motto here. It's because the people that I know that are attending, these are some of the brightest minds in boat tour water sport operation,
3: hands yeah. down.
0: And yeah. where else can you go and talk and network with these folks if you're looking to really... You know, up your game with your business. Like, there's no better place to be. And I, I know by the time you know this all, this announcement goes out, it's going to sell out. We're going to max it out at a hundred.
2: And if nothing, you get to come. You get to come hang out with me and Greg. Like, I'm coming just to hang out with our with our guest number five zero Kai. Man, like, dude, I love this guy, man. He what a great show this was, huh? Yeah, this was, it was incredible.
0: Yeah. So Kai has a great story. Um, this is a guy who went to law school and end up, you know, getting in the water sport boat tour business. Pisses me off so
2: bad, dude. Like, I I hate that. (laughs) Like, I I fell into my shit out of, like, out of, uh... You know, I'm like, man, I was not a big risk taker. You know, when I when I was younger, mm-hmm. man, like I just kind of fell into this whole world. And 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 to hear his story, where he's just like, well, yeah, you know, like graduated law school, like super laude Like he's just one of these <laughs> forces, dude. That's like, no matter what, if it wouldn't have been like, you know, paddle boat tours, it would have been something else, man. You know, so the, I I love this episode. I, I thought Kai was great. He he gives off that North Carolina, that Raleigh vibe you know what i mean i really uh I, and I know he's not from there, but I, I'm a huge fan of North Carolina, the state. But I love what they got going. I love his story, man. And I loved I loved this. I love being a part of this episode. It was really great. Not to take away from the other 49 episodes that we did, but this this was a good one.
0: And Kai's going to be um, at the forum too. So this is one of those yeah, guys come, that – Yeah, be Kai's friend. You got you to talk gotta, to him. Mm-hmm. If you, since we
2: don't do video, you don't get to see his mustache. So you should come and see his mustache <laughs> and my beard – Cause my beard is getting really epic, man. You know, it's just yeah. getting. I'm um, your baby face, and I'm uh, I'm old face.
0: Yeah, my baby face went away now.
2: Yeah, you got. You, yeah, yeah you, dude, you got that. Like, it's almost like the Taliban-y looking beard a little bit going there, man. You might want to. Oh well.
3: well thanks. <laughs> I appreciate <Looking> that.
2: For... <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that
0: means. No, it's yeah. crazy. <laughs> don't you dare edit that out <laughs> did you see uh what i've been getting into lately
2: uh i god i hope it had nothing to do with the taliban no no <laughs> i've been on these fucking on these uh, al-qaeda message boards nfts i fucking know and of course yeah you see that
0: talk about oh yeah you see that yeah man dude. it's so wild
2: you're a yeah,
0: I was up till like 1 a.m. last night talking to Justin Buzzy because Justin has made 50,000 in three weeks buying and selling JPEGs. NFTs. Yeah, JPEGs. I'll call them JPEGs because what they are, just f- pictures. It's, it's really amazing. And... uh I'm going hard on one collection called Base Fish Mafia. Just, hey,
2: just a heads up, guys, if you want to uh, skip like the next five minutes, if you don't get fucking
0: bored to death. Yeah, you can hit uh, the 30 second. Yeah. But if you want to- the, If you want
2: to become a millionaire on fucking more Greg's fucking speculative fucking shit, fucking tune in now. I, yeah. I'm too much of a pussy, dude. I feel like, I don't know, I'm, I'm too sketched. Like, I just don't understand it, man. Like, it just
0: seems like- I don't know. You've been researching this for like how long? Well, know. I just, I just sold. Um, well, I bought sixty of them, anywhere from like a hundred to a couple thousand uh, dollars each, for each one. And I had my first flip yesterday. I made like you know a hundred bucks after I paid the fees. <laughs> but,
2: but I still, thought you were gonna have something crazy, dude. I thought I was waiting
0: for the huge return on that. But this is me, like my first four way into it. But Justin made. Like twenty five. Justin's get up and go kayaking. Get a shout out to Justin. Justin made like twenty five thousand selling one. He held it for like three weeks. It's it's like you're buying and selling art or trading cards or whatever. I mean, it's it's really wild. I mean, I I mean, I
2: feel like if you're not in it now, you're gonna be left holding the bag. Like, and I feel like, man, am I too late? Should I get in on it now for like the? So I understand like the next iteration of it, but man, I just God, I feel so old. Dude, I don't want to like learn anything else, man. I'm like, ugh, NFTs and crypto, and like, ugh, I can't even like, man. They like Coinbase keeps on like, won't accept me because. They're, like, verifying – it's really weird because I have, like, my bank is all super protected. I got hacked. So, like, I got, like, all these, like, you know, all these different yeah, verification yeah. methods. So, I can't just, like, log in, attack, uh, to just start my Coinbase account and then I get frustrated and I'm, like, give up and I'm – I don't know, man. And NFTs is just, like, you're buying JPEGs and it's just, like – it's so, like, counterintuitive to me and I know that there's money in it. There's and a whole – there's,
0: there's a whole system to it and – uh I mean, I'm new, so I, I'm not going to give any advice because I'm new to it. But I'm learning. But it's it's really fascinating. Listen,
2: save save it, save it. Yeah, oh, it's like the more like tulip mania. Let's come on, let's be fucking honest, dude. Like the gold rush, at least he had something like fucking tangible that's still worth money today. So, but this is, I feel like. I feel like that there's there's more to come of this. You know, like the gamification and how NFTs will be created you know, translated into this other this different product or whatever, like yeah, you can yeah. buy this like armor that only you know, there's only one set of this armor. Maybe when we get to like ready player one world, like that that shit will start to actually happen. You know, but is anybody yeah. paying like a hundred thousand dollars for this special car or whatever that, that you can get in like whatever Grand Theft Auto or whatever fucking racing game is hot right now? like are we to Mm -hmm. that point yet or are nfts like the very beginning beginning of this and and i think the same thing happens with crypto where a guy like me is like a little hesitant because it's like well is 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 bitcoin the gold standard Is it it now like or is it too late like you know what i mean are these nfts these jpegs like the beginning of something and then they're gonna like dip and then there's the next thing and and you want to get on in on that now so i sort of understand having like Spending the time, I think, I think for those of us that are going to try and get into it now, I think it's going to be an expensive lesson for an understanding of how to get into the next thing, whatever, whatever the next version of NFTs are, then you have a better understanding of it by getting involved now rather than later. I personally think that you just burned your money on this one. <laughs> I'm not sure
0: because what creates value? And I understand it's the scarcity. Well, but- it's, it's a, it, what it is is like the community and and just people just like baseball cards right like baseball cards you know were a com, you know were a commodity because mm-hmm. people wanted it you know the the you get the major league baseball it's a pastime everyone knows about it they follow but there's it. only
2: one honus wagner card
0: right there's only one I don't michael know jordan about that. no but i mean honus that but yeah there's very few but with nfts <laughs> right. it's the same thing like right. when you have a, when there's a collection there's only one unique one in the collection depending on how they set it up but it's all about the community and if people like the art and do they like do they like the community I mean just like pokemon like pokemon cards are worth a ton. Because people love the the ecosystem that they build. Yeah. So that's that's what gives it value. But it's it said, it's a lot that goes into it. We can talk about it for hours. And this has been like I, the longest intro. I, I could not talk about it for hours. Just so we're clear here, rest of my dumb water sport operator
2: guys. And I will not talk about it for hours. <laughs> so without further ado, let's bring on the guests and fucking get with it.
0: We have today... Kai Kopro, CEO and founder of TourScale with us. And Kai, you actually get to be our 50th episode interview. Yay. I don't know. It, it, it's like a badge of honor or or maybe not. I know, but it's a special moment. <laughs> 50 episodes. More like a mark of shame. <laughs> uh, fucking <laughs> Scarlet Letter. We'll Let's go I, I met Kai from an introduction from uh, Bruce from Arrival, and I like I loved his his business. I'm going to let him introduce his business, talk about it. And uh, yeah, so Kai, take it away. How did you get into water sports? What's your story?
3: Yeah, so we started off 10 years ago with the party bike industry. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. It's where everyone's pedaling and drinking on a large vehicle. So we started doing that and expanding to other cities. And at a certain point, uh, we thought it would be a great concept on the water as well. So we saw an initial manufacturer start building cycle boats. Uh, we got really excited about it because it's right up our alley. Uh, but we were completely green, pretty much to the water, right? To to manufacturing, to the Coast Guard, to all the regulations and how to get a slip. So we came into a blind about three and a half years ago, we launched Paddle Pub. So that's our operating company for our pedal powered tours. Um, initially we'd started doing contract manufacturing out of Indiana. And eventually we started our own manufacturing company in Florida where we produce the boats. Most of our boats are 26 passenger Coast Guard certified vessels. Uh, there's 12 pedaling stations. Everyone pedals and it moves a giant paddle wheel in the back. Uh, people listen to music and get pretty drunk and dance around and have the time of their lives.
0: That sounds pretty exciting. Drunk yeah, dancing, dancing <laughs> on the water.
3: Yeah, so we started uh, initially in uh, let's see, Fort Lauderdale, Miami. Uh, we expanded into Madison, Wisconsin, San Diego, Austin, Texas, um, Long Island, New York. Uh, with a lot of new cities opening up over the next twelve months, um, some of the locations are directly operated. Last year we launched Tourscale which is our franchise. Uh it's a national franchise for Trolley Pub which is our party bike operation and Paddle Pub which is a cycle boat operation and uh to date we've signed up about 17 franchised outlets since last last November. That's wow. between both concepts.
0: You know, how did you think about this? I mean, how how did, how did this all happen? Like where did you get the inspiration for it?
3: Well, initially when I started Trolley Pub, I saw those crazy devices you know, online that we're opening up in the Netherlands and Europe. And I've always been a big fan of cycling, kind of, but com- unique ways to drink. Let's put it that way. So when I <laughs> saw the, my first pedal pub, uh, a lot of people find it obnoxious. And to me, it was like manna from heaven. I just like devoted my life to it right away. Um, I was uh, fresh out of law school and starting a law career. I pretty much quit everything I was doing. And started opening up trolley publications. Um, I was always wanted to get it on the water, uh, but I lacked sort of the know-how or the capital to really do that. So when I finally saw Cascade Cycle Boats open up in Bend, Oregon, I was like, "Holy crap! I've I've wanted to do this for so long. We we got to get involved somehow, you know? Like we got to get this thing started." Um, it took us a couple years, but we decided to do it ourselves. Like I said, design our own boat because you know, nothing against the Cascade cycle boats. We were just looking for something a little different. We wanted bigger, badder boats. Um, and we figured the only way to do it was to build ourselves. So we just kept going. You're one of those
2: guys, man. It drives me nuts. Like, when I got done with law school, so I was basically a lawyer. And then I decided to form this huge company. Like, God damn it. Like, wonderful <laughs> mustache, head of hair, fucking just successful. God damn man. I got The first time I got on a boat, like, I fell over.
3: You know what I mean? I'm
2: like, oh, I'm 30 years old.
3: hey hey, that's a great story man it's a great story but in practice it wasn't pretty you know what i mean like i quit my fancy job you know i moved to a city i'd never been to before raleigh i couldn't even afford i had to like borrow my girlfriend's dad's truck to drive i was so poor at first you know i paid myself hardly nothing for years and the damn things just would break down every week so I was always out there with grease on my hands and wrenches and wondering why I even got involved in this business. I think I'm just super stubborn. A lot of people will start a business and when it gets really annoying, they kind of put it on auto mode. You know, and we'll start taking money out and stuff. I'm just really stubborn. I I I'm obsessed with this idea and I've never
0: stopped trying to grow it. Kai, when did you know that this is actually a good thing? Like, we we got some momentum. Was there like a certain point where you realized this is going to be something big?
3: Yeah. And let me focus on the paddle pub side. Yeah, sure. Topic of this podcast. So, before we launched it, my partner and which, by the way, my partner is my college buddy, Andrew Cole, who's a great business partner. Um, He's like the left brain and I'm like the right, right? Um, We did we didn't know if anyone would want to do it. Like we thought the whole point of the trolley pub was that you're seen. and you get to go to the different, bars and there was some worry, especially from other people. I knew people would do it, but that it wouldn't be the same experience on the water. You're not as visible. Like with the trolley pub, it's like you're in a parade, you know, everyone on the, is hollering at you on the sides of the streets or they're flipping you off because they don't like it. But it's like this experience of interacting.
2: How dare you have fun? <laughs> oh yeah, there's nothing.
3: There's nothing hipsters hate more than seeing other people like unambiguously enjoy themselves. Yeah. Um, so and then when, you, t- like when you
2: take their when you when you take their
3: identity by taking back the mustache, they hate that too. <laughs> that, that's what I'm just appropriating it, right? I'm bringing it back to like the real man thing, and not like. I smoke cigarettes and don't have a job. Thing. Listen, yeah. have you ever
2: heard like 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 a meme? It's like punch a hipster in the face. I, I did that one time, dude. I punched this kid so fucking hard in the face, dude. He was sitting down and he had like this stupid cap on. Like I like knocked him out dead, like and like flat out in his seat. It was the it was as gratifying as you think it would be. Like it, the meme did not do it fucking
3: justice. Like I was. Did you Did you do it just for the meme or did he? do something
2: no he he dismissed me
3: okay. <laughs> i was really drunk and he was like really
2: i was being really friendly like maybe overly friendly and then he dismissed me and then like i like stewed about it like 20 seconds and then i yeah. punched it punched like punched down like right in dumb hip their face but yeah i mean if you know so you I'm, don't you don't take rejection well i don't i don't <laughs> that's how i got that's how i got my wife i punched her right in the face that's yeah i like, oh, love very old-fashioned. Don't let us. Yeah. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't let me fucking derail us, man. I got, really, got a really bad – because I – hi, man. You got a, like a crazy story. I wish I would have like – I wish you wouldn't have sprung this one on me. I think you did tell me, but like I'm familiar with your brand. Um, I'm not familiar with your brand. Is like I would have done like more research. Uh, it's been a crazy week. I would have done more more research because I am familiar with your brand and I didn't realize that's who you were, man. That's That's awesome, man. So – Paddle Pub has been around. Say, tell me again for how long? About three, 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 four years probably. And and now it's franchised out. I just want to correct. We, we like jumped around a couple things here. So so you
3: have how many locations currently? About seven. Um, three are directly owned and operated, and four are franchised. And we have about three or four more locations in the pipeline to launch, mostly next spring and summer. Um, is there is
2: is i'm sorry i i, I hate to d- d- diverge real quick but i got to ask you no, another yeah. question because there's paddle pub and then there's pedal pub too right with an e correct How so are you our, af- you're not affiliated
3: with them i'm not hmm. no we own trolley pub okay and, so and, trolley and pub is pub our party is the same bike. concept or pedal pub is the same concept they're older and bigger than we are um their bikes all come from the netherlands so we're like we're like the scrappy less funded version of pedal pub that actually knows how to do operations. I would say oh, uh, pedal no, pub is like yeah, private equity, private <laughs> equity owned. And they're trying to do like a, a roll up where they resell it again. Um, so our brand of the franchise is we get our hands dirty. You know, we know how to make a location successful. You know, we're not trying to sell our company for tens of millions of dollars to some VC, you know, we're, We're like you, we, we've done the work, you know? So what did you know Um, about business going into this? Did you have like any background in business besides like? Absolutely nothing. And I actually (laughs) never thought I would be an entrepreneur. I I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was younger. I, you know, had a crazy, super religious childhood, which was interesting. Like my parents went to seminary. We're going to be missionaries. I was super sheltered from the world, went to college, got in a lot of trouble And I was getting ready to graduate, and I realized I just never made any plans what to do after college. I never thought that was a thing. It just didn't feel like college was ever going to end. And then all of a sudden, I had to get a job. So I went to law school to kind of delay that decision a little longer, give me three more years. And then uh, I think the business made me an entrepreneur. Like, I knew nothing about business. I really didn't know much about law either. You know, I had just gone to law school my only real experience was like running a fraternity, which, you know, gave me some insight, but, um, I was young and I drank lots of caffeine and I kind of just figured it out. Trial and error. You know, that was it.
2: How, how, as as part of like of your, cause I like sidebar entrepreneurship, like how risk adverse are you? Like, are you willing to bet the house? Like literally?
3: Yeah. So I'm, I think that's, what it was is I'm not risk averse at all. And at that point in my life, I didn't have anything to lose, you know, like I didn't have any money. I figured the worst I could do is delay my law career for a few years. And this looks really fun and it makes people happy and it makes me happy. So I'm just going to do it. And, um, you know, we've never pulled a single dollar out of the business since it's been 10 years. Like pretty much every year we roll all the profits back in and reinvest it. Um, I've never really had a desire to relax or take money out. We just literally are on a mission to do this, you know, like this is my calling. I want people to pedal and get drunk. I don't care if it's on the water or on land, whether we build a plane to make the wings flap and people and pedal to do it. That's what I do, you know?
2: You guys ever had any like uh, any hipsters get punched in the face while you're out there someone like tackle the other guy into the water? <laughs> Like, <laughs> on the boat? Bra. hell yeah dude like I do
3: I can hipsters swim I don't think they swim. <laughs> they they don't they don't man. Well, I don't think they do I think they would buy vintage uh life vests that went away <laughs> <laughs> like,
2: shitty like really expensive vintage oh yeah project. give
3: me an IPA sir but <laughs> but uh so. Like, yeah, so we had no idea what we were doing. And I, I made tons of, lots of mistakes. So most of what I know about running the business is from solving the problems that made me miserable as we grew, you know? So it's like literally learning on the job. And uh, that's my education for business. So you said, uh,
2: I'm, I'm like, I'm misunderstanding your timeline. Did you say 10 years? Yeah,
3: we started Charlie Pub. Trolley and- Pub. Pub gotcha the original Mm -hmm. party bike business in 2011 okay in in january 2011 i was still a student i was still law school and we started paddle pub in 2018 gotcha all right
2: yeah because i remember seeing those in um uh in miami and uh i was like driving by i was like man look at that i was like fuck
3: those people man (laughs) (laughs) got a really nice whiskey (laughs) Yeah, single single everything? malt, single
2: barrel. I I remember seeing those in in Miami, thinking like, man, and, and you know, I've had people like uh, like one of my partners like like tried to like pitch me. I don't know. We've looked at it, you know the the the,
3: the paddle pub, uh, the, the the paddle pub man. Like, I, I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. It's a pretty good idea. People love it. I mean, that's an important thing. And that's you know, when I first decided to quit, I we just opened in Raleigh for the trolley pub side, but I was here and within the first night I met super hot girl and then I saw everyone having a great time coming back from a tour. And right then and there, like I called my partner, I said, I'm not coming back to Austin. I'm moving to Raleigh and I'm going to do this full time. And I, and it's because I realized how happy, like those people got off and said that was the most fun they've had since they were in college. And I just wanted to recreate that moment for as many people as possible. Like I knew people would buy that feeling, you know, of being able to let go and feel young again and have a blast.
2: Do you, do you have to have a liquor license or a um, beer and wine license or is it BYOB or how does that work?
3: Yeah. So on the boat and the water, it's BYOB In a lot of States you can get a liquor license for boats, unlike vehicles, but honestly it's really not worth the logistics of dealing with inventory and you know, it's, it's much better just to sell the experience and let them bring their own to keep operations simple because it's like adding a whole second business to an
0: already difficult thing to manage. When someone looks to be a franchisee, do you have a qualification process or is like, do you got the money? Do you have experience? You're good. Like, uh, do you make sure that the locations are sustainable I mean, obviously, the last thing you want to do is sell someone a boat and then they don't know how to run it or they have a terrible location.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's extremely important. And um, getting in a franchise relationship with somebody is you're going to be with them for a long time, right? Like they're going to be a franchisee. I'm going to be supporting them. You know, um, A, we don't want someone to join who I don't, frankly, we don't enjoy working with first uh, because we're going to be interacting with them for a long time. Um there is a qualification process. Most of it is financial, and some of it's based on experience. They need to have the necessary capital. Um, they need to, obviously, have good credit and have a clean background. And they should... If they don't have business experience, I'm not going to cut them out right there, because everyone starts somewhere, right? I should sense in them a lot of passion for this, having something relevant in their background, and... Um, you know, like, to feel that drive. If it's just like a side investment, it's not going to work, right? Like, people got to be all in on this.
0: How involved are you once they become French, you know, a franchise? How do you help with marketing? Do you, I mean, do you reinvest the royalty fees? Yeah, so it's pretty simple. We provide a lot of the upfront
3: training. Obviously, we're going to guide them through the Coast Guard process. They're going to they're gonna learn how to recruit captains. Um, how to staff, how to manage captains and first mates, how to find a slip, how to maintain your boat. We provide the website, the booking system. Um, Additionally, we also have marketing support through our director of marketing. So we're not actually running their marketing, but we are sending out the quarterly campaigns. So we get a lot of content like pre-cut videos um, they're going to get the actual content to use, what channels to use, even send custom audiences. We're saying, hey, we see this is working here. We're going to push this to the location. So we try to maximize everyone's sales based on what we learn uh, from the scale that we're at. And then yeah. they get the support from the manufacturing company that we own, which is one of the biggest limitations to this industry. When we started TrolleyPub, the thing that held us back the most was we couldn't get pubs <laughs> fast enough. Because most of the builders out there were just like mom and pop shops. They might build five to seven a year. If I need to open a new trolley city and I need three in one city and then four for the other, like it would take us two years to get the trolleys. So when we decided to launch this business in the franchise, we realized right away, we have to literally start a manufacturing company to even do this because we have to be able to build these at the production level we need to allow our locations to scale quickly. And building a boat is really hard and it usually takes months. Our production speed at Trident for cycle boat start to finish is 30 days that's a 35 foot boat
2: that's pretty good and and what kind of what kind of holes what kind of hole are you guys using
3: aluminum no 36 inch tunes 35 by 10 feet six inches wide we have a 90 horsepower suzuki motor on it Um, it's got a bathroom fully plumbed sweet stereo system front lounge um, built-in cooler. So basically, uh, you guys lights. got like Naval Architect. You guys got the
2: schematics drawn up for the – not that I'm like going to start a, <laughs> a whatever, but I mean you guys hey. you got a Naval a naval Architect. You guys got your schematics drawn up. And then, I mean, it just it just becomes like a, a <clears throat> rinse and repeat
3: kind of thing, right? It does in theory, yeah. In practice, we've changed the model probably three times over the last right. two years. Um, It's kind of the hard part about building is you're going to make mistakes early on um and you learn from those mistakes right like our first few boats they weren't the best you know like there was problems that so we'd fix them and every time there was a problem we learned how to make the boat better the next time the pedaling mechanics like the mechanical and engineering part of these pedal boats is like extremely complex to make it last for commercial use you have 12 cycling stations everyone's pedaling to a drive chain goes through like a little transmission where there's a gear change. You got universal joints going to the back, hydraulic lifts, actuators, you know, lifting the wheel up and down, with the chain coming back with a tensioner system, like, and then these things go out. Like our operators do on one boat, we'll do 20 tours a week, right? With drunk people pedaling as hard as they can on it every day. So building these boats to be reliable is extremely challenging. And honestly, like out of everything I've done, with the business so far, the manufacturing side has probably caused me the most gray hairs and you'll probably appreciate, you know, I am starting to, to bald a little <laughs> bit. If that makes you feel better, like it's, it's getting No, worse. it doesn't.
2: Dude. There's another <laughs> man with a great head of hair. It doesn't. When you get to my age, you know, hopefully you can still be rocking the, you know, cause I think I got about 10, what are you? 31, 32 or something like that? I'm 36. You're 36? Yeah dude, you haven't driven enough boats man you gotta get you gotta get gray <laughs> going here bro you yeah, look you look good man good for you that's awesome so you got like how many books on like vertical integration have you read because now I feel like tour scales like the marketing arm of the whole thing like it just seems like you're you're hitting every single vertical you can and like keeping everything in that in house from like manufacturing to the tours to franchising and then i'm I'm assuming the tour scale is gonna be like right is
3: going to be like the marketing arm tour scale it's the franchiser, right it, it it holds both paddle pub and trolley pub and we hope to add more concepts like we're trying to build a platform for tour and activity businesses they're light touch right we're not like super controlling we just want to partner with people the things that work best with an economy of scale are going to be done centralized and the things that operators do best they do best so you know, I wanted to build a franchise that'll make everyone in the network make make more money than they would have otherwise, and take away like the common pain points of being a tour operator. And um, I think it works.
0: No, I I, I think overall, like our, our industry is a lot of trial and error. And the thing I love about the franchise model, I mean, I've I've gotten to know, you know, Justin Buzzy's franchise, Get Up and Go, the Cruise and Tiki's right. model. And just to see like what type of support you can get from the community, just other franchisees telling you, hey, this is what is, it might not work the same in every market, but in most markets, you're going to see if you do X, it's going to give you Y. And that's that's something that you just can't get when you open up a new business, all that experience that is going to be shared with you through either like the franchise or the or the community of, of operators and it just you're just eliminating all the mistakes that you're probably going to make. Yeah, you're going to pay a royalty and you're going to pay some costs, but at the same time that experience you get immediately, I think is undervalued in this industry.
3: Yeah, we come up against that a lot. Like look, what you're paying for is the fact that I've messed up many many times over the last 10 years. And instead of you having to go down, down that same road, you know, we're going to teach you the solutions to all these problems. You don't have to come up with it and you know, they're much better off because of that. They're not starting on square one, you know, and it's a hard industry, like being on the water, running a sea wide vessel. um, You're going to make a lot of mistakes. Um, There's a lot you don't know coming into it, especially if you're not from like the boating world. Um, And so in the long run, their business is going to be a lot more profitable. What a lot of people don't realize too is that franchise businesses are more valuable. Like they sell at higher multipliers. They have higher valuations because they have that network support. Um, So even though you're paying a percentage, your business is worth more because, you know, when you sell it, there's going to be training built into it and there's going to be an existing network um, and uh, it's easier to sell. People like to be a part of the winning team in a bigger community. And that's what we're trying to build.
0: Do you share customer lists between franchisees? So once a new location opens, do you market to customers that are other locations or do you Keep that proprietary. Not
3: right now, yeah. but w- w- that's something we're looking at doing. We sh- we set our lookalike audiences, so okay. we take the data for a particular market, and you can run it through whatever a director marking does, some yeah. machine, you know. Sure.
0: Greg, man, wants, the Greg wants to buy your
3: list. <laughs> and yeah. then, do
2: you ever sell your list? <laughs> Straight up. Huge so we should buy your list. Oh. <laughs> yeah.
3: So, we share lookalike audiences, right? It's yeah. going to find similar people to the, what's working in other markets. We don't necessarily sell individual customers. And that wouldn't even be that valuable. Like, customers in San Diego and customers in Long Island
0: are probably very different. Yeah, that wouldn't make but, any sense. Yeah.
3: But you will sell, like, we know who's buying this, right? Like, 36 year old females you know 50 to 54 year old male architects like there's just all these weird demographics and stuff like that that you realize that this business is especially appealing to so so what's the what's the what's the advice for the guy Mm.
2: so this is going to be like run contradictory to like what you're selling i mean not you're on the show selling anything but i mean you have you sell franchise so how do you what do you say to the guy who's like aspiring to be more than just the one like we're, I'm talking like entrepreneurial wisdom. So you because I think this is what happens uh, with a lot of operators that people get caught working in their business not on their business. So yes. how do you talk to the guy that's like all right I'm one boat one operator unless it's not not one of whatever one whatever it is that you do and how do you make that transition what's a, what's what do you think is like the most key piece of advice that you would give somebody to that's aspiring to go from like owner operator to i mean i mean i wouldn't say you're like an owner operator kai i think you're you know like you probably hold a more ceo you know role so how do you go to that executive level what, what would you say is the one key piece that helped you make that transition so you're not just a guy driving a, a pedal pub. we're having a conversation with that does like 35 you know, grand a year or something like that, take home.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing I always – because I, I definitely talk to people about this and I share advice all the time. And the first thing I ask someone, though, is whether they really want that. Like why do you want to scale? You know, um, and that will inform the best way of doing it. Um, a lot of people think they want to grow. But when they actually do, they realize that it's – more expensive to their life than they realize you might make more money but what you're adding is is a lot more work and time and stress right so people first need to make sure that they actually want to do this because there's going to be enormous personal and financial costs to you for longer than you expect um and if they have a good reason to scale which they should it shouldn't just be i want to make more money because there's a lot of ways of making money more money than without you know opening up multiple cities right Um, Or you can get a job or whatever. But like, why are you doing what you're doing? They, They should be. The good answer is that it's not just about money, but they think they have some sort of, they have something that other people don't, right? They have some sort of secret sauce and they're passionate about what they do and they want to spread that to other places. And they're very confident it's going to work. If they have that, the first thing you have to do is learn how to leverage your time. That's what scaling is, right? Every hour of your work has to translate into more and more hours of your employee work. The only way to do that is pretty boring stuff. Like processes, SOPs, policies, right? And and then learning to to um to delegate. Stop doing your own bookkeeping. Stop doing your own marketing. You have to free up your time for the maximum high-value activities as the owner of your business. And the larger your business goes, the more jealous you need to be of your time. Cuz because your time is all you have, right? So you need to leverage it and the you're going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. You're going to need more and more help and you're going to be more and more effective in leveraging by, by training people, by getting your brain, you know, as a small operator, you have all this stuff in your head that isn't written down. If it's not written down, you can't scale. What are you, are you going to go to a city and you're train them and talk to them and they're going to remember? No, you have to have a system of training now. Now you have a training manual, you know, now you have a handbook now you have, you know, all these other things. And so it's really the boring hard work up front that's going to allow you to scale later. And if you try to scale before you do the hard work, all you're going to do is work 89 hours of work and you're going to be constantly putting out fires every week. You're going to have something that you're going to get thrown into. Right. So mm-hmm. there, there's a smart way of doing that. And that's just data dumping your brain yep. into, into documents. We, me and Greg, like about a year ago, uh, I would say 50 shows ago, tried to figure out
2: how to scale friendship. And so we were like, yeah, let's start a podcast. Now we it had, <laughs> have additional 50 friends. Pretty cool. Welcome to our funnel, <laughs> our
1: friendship funnel.
2: I'm here. I'm here. We're I going to play ping pong next week, and you're fucking in.
3: <laughs> oh, God. I'm terrible. Yeah. Yeah. In
2: fact, we did, it, it, you know, I hate to say it, but it's actually like true. Like this show is like we we have, we've made friendships out of, off this show. It's like, and, and, and I would like to, I think, I think adding to that, uh, to what you said too, uh, and then piggybacking off the joke I'm making, but I, I think that it's like these relationships that you, fo- that you form that are like this that are, I mean, are just super invaluable. Like yeah. <laughs> I, I can't even tell you how many times. Uh, like we've had just people on this show that have just led to in, incredible opportunities. I think for me and Greg, and, and I think that it, it, it tests to like the importance of having like a strong network. Like we're all like armies of one, you know, right up until you're not, you know, because I I, I don't know about your personal network, you know, but I have a pretty small one of people that I call, you know, like to shifting from that mindset or, or that. That that mindset of like being on your own or if you're a guy that, you know, had a job and then started his own business, like entrepreneurship can be an incredibly lonely endeavor. You don't have work people that you're going to go – your employees, you're not going to be like, oh, man, the boss is a real dick. You know, he's fucking yeah. being a jerk bragging about a mustache, you know. So, it, yeah. it, I, you know, I think <laughs> it's like – I think it's like one of those things where – Um, I I think that can also like really help lift you up as well too. If you have the right people you can call and you're having the right conversations. And like you said, you're leveraging your time in a way that you can get on the phone and have like kind of like bullshit conversations with your cousin or your buddy from college or whatever. And you can – or you can have that same like higher level conversation and get ideas and, you know, be able to grow your – what would they say? Like your net – your network is, or your, is, is your
0: net worth, is your network, or some Grant Cardone bullshit like that, right? <laughs> it's
2: like something like that.
0: No, Kevin, you make some. You know, we talk about like delegation a lot on the show, and it's something that I've learned a lot when I first started TripShock and having to give up certain departments along the way. But uh, you know, relationship building at a high level is part of a CEO's job. Like, and yep. I think that. Some entrepreneurs just think it's it's wasted effort to not invest in your network. And honestly, the first like 10 years of TripShock, I hid behind a computer and I just hammered my SEO and I did a lot of the grunt work and I realized that I have zero brand. Like TripShock is just a transactional business. I developed no industry brand now, um, you know the folks at Arrival. They're they're including me in a lot of conversations. Other people in industry are talking about TripShock, and that's because I stopped and I realized my brand, my personal brand, it needs to have some type of forefront. My networking, I have to do more than just hide behind a computer. And that's where kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to start the podcast is I, I need to get out there. I need to, I need to see what's going on. I need to talk to people and, and build a network. And then – Like I need then, to get out yeah, from behind this computer. Behind this computer, yeah. That's true. <laughs> but, I'm still, but I'm still behind a computer, right? Like, <laughs> I'm still yeah, behind a computer. Yeah. But no, I mean it's – I think that's like such an important thing. Get. I mean everyone that's just listening, I'm telling you like make time for building your network. You never know. I mean, you could be in New Orleans right now and and they're saying that New Orleans is not going to get power back for a month. Mm. So you're a business. You're going to be furloughed for a month. And if you don't have a network... Then you might not find an opportunity right right fast, right so
2: i I think from like I think like and not to like be weird, but I think also too it's it's like there's a there really is an emotional toll that that whole thing takes on you, especially when you know you're constantly grinding and then you come home. And for me, it's like my wife and kids. I'm like literally, I like have like a kid in my arm like today. He's like, wow, wow. I'm like trying to like deal, deal something with our CPA and a bank and connecting them to our new bank and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, you can just kind of get caught up in this whole, the grind, if you will. But again, like I, I think like things like, and I'm not trying to pitch our, upcoming event or, or arrival or anything like that. But it does create these unique opportunities for you to, and it's not even just networking with people. Like it's actually having like real friendships with people that, that understand you know this this life you know this this thing that we like endeavor upon and it's it's really hard you're not just gonna like go next door to like the local fucking sal's pizzeria or something be like, where's Sal at?" you know <laughs> and, hey man let's fucking have a beer dude talk about fucking life you know <laughs> like <it's, laughs> i mean i've tried and they keep on kicking yeah, me out everything like oh the guy trying to get a fucking slushy you know ask it for the owner like, where's the owner i want to make a friend <laughs> yeah so it's not the same you know
3: that's so true i mean most people don't understand what we go through right as business owners it seems like from the outside looking in like people just see that the business is working and they like there's some sort of admiration for it or, or something like that but i think only business owners and especially in the tour industry like we we all face very similar challenges and I found that in the early days I wasn't networking a lot and I would talk to other people about it and it's like they just didn't understand. And I remember I went to that first arrival conference and we all were having a beer around a table somewhere, it just sharing war stories, you know, about things that have happened and about stress and about the business. And I felt so much better. Like even just the process of, like you said, having a friend who understands what you're going through. Um, everyone wants to share and be heard and I feel like only other tour operators can really hear you you know. and then like you said the network it's not just about getting help from other people which you can't live without it right like I have mentors I've had so many people help me along the way and I've needed a shit ton of help right like I'm not like naturally gifted at this stuff Um, but you also need to help other people Um, I think that's really important too is like have people in the network like I do it all the time and sometimes my partner gets mad about a little bit, but I I just, I will just help a random person who calls, you know, even if we're not going to get a franchise for them, I'm not going to sell them a boat. I just feel like I'm in the community and I'm going to give them advice and I'm going to spend some time on it just because, just because.
0: No, Kai, you're, you're just like Kevin and I, because we get shit from our friends and I get shit from our trip shock partners. Like, why are you giving away all the, your secret sauce? And, I, and we go back to the Emerald Lagasse, you know, why does Emerald Lagasse give away all his recipes? You know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like you can give someone the book on how to do something. I mean, there's books on building businesses that are phenomenal. There's books on investing in stocks. And if people followed mo- those books and those processes, they would be millionaires. But the issue is that no one wants to cook. No mm-hmm. one wants to cook. They don't want to put the time in. And that's to our benefit. And I personally, when I, when I network and I talk to others, like my time has gotten so limited over the years. I want to focus on folks that have the same, um, Outlook this, that that are not going to waste my time. Like I've cut cut out a lot of relationships with friends and family. When I say cut out, like not, I didn't like shun them, but I stop investing time into conversations because they're a not ad- rich entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> get, get out of here! Oh, Rolex,
2: no, <laughs> fucking hit the bricks.
0: <laughs> but I, I've I've removed a lot of a lot of those relationships as far as like mm-hmm. the the because I'm just not getting a whole lot of value and they're not doing any. Th- Thing for themselves either and it's like i'm sitting here giving away advice to them and they're asking me for it but they're not doing anything i'm like man that's not good i'd rather go on my podcast or in the facebook group that we have i love helping people in the facebook group um because i know one way or another like that it'll it'll come full circle and I honestly I can see you Kai, giving help to some uh some would-be franchisee and they might go in a whole different direction, but maybe they come back in a year and say, Hey, I remember that conversation. My my pool guy did that. I called him up when I moved in. I said, Hey, I need some help. And he's like, Oh, don't worry about it, you don't gotta pay me anything. I'll come out. He got my whole pool up and going. And a week later I called him up and I said, I need you to like I need to do pool service with you. Because I couldn't figure it out afterwards. Like that it's like that guy knew that I was going to have a hell of a time with chemical because it's a saltwater pool and, and I don't want to deal with it. And yeah, he called and got the business. But, you know, sometimes when you just go and, and show, you know, gratitude and, and show what your worth is, I mean, it it comes.
3: That's so spot on. And honestly, we had to do that for us because like I said, I'm going to help anyways. So we had to build a business model to where we made money out of me helping people because i was gonna do it like i was selling boats to customers who weren't franchisees and i was spending a ton of time supporting them you know and as part of the same time we were building a franchise and we we're like well now you get to help people and make money and so i was like perfect That's
2: what so we'll so kai tell me this <clears throat> so now with
3: um you
2: said the name of your your boat building company is triton trident pedal trident pedal so now when yeah. you buy a boat through trident pedal um, if it's, a, I mean, it, it's going to be under that you're not going to sell. Like if I'm like, Hey, I want to buy a boat from you guys and just start my own shit up here in Northwest Florida and call it whatever I want to call it. I don't want to be a part of a franchise or anything like that.
3: Are you still selling those boats? Not anymore. Um, we wow. did that first, um, we built 22 boats now since we launched. And, uh, when we first launched the manufacturing company, obviously I would sell it to just anybody, um, who came in. Uh, I was eager to build relationships and provide a quality asset and show that the asset that we thought was the best product on the market for the category. Um, the problem is it's not because I'm opposed necessarily theoretically to selling to outside customers anymore. We simply don't have the production space for it. Right. Like we have, so our, our our queue on new cycle boats is booked out over a year right now on new builds. And so, you know, I really only can be building boats for my franchises right now because we have so much franchise franchise demand that that's all we can do. So it's a good thing, right? Like that's part of the goal. I'll probably continue to service some of our existing customers and stuff like that. But pretty much, it's going to be franchise only moving forward. Wow,
2: man, that's pretty incredible. I, I got to say, man, that that's pretty awesome because I got and honestly. To, oh, good. No, oh, I was good. just going to say, like, I got to imagine, like, you know, the margins then are like within. Are with within the was with, what's not in the boat? It's within the business, and like that's you know that's where you guys are making it up. And then you know I, I can just see how that all completely works because like, like, now you're not like dying to try and make the margins on the boat. You make the margins on the business, and you don't have to like kill yourself. And you can work with people. And then yeah, man, that's um. God, I feel like I hate it when there's so many more smart people on the show than I am. i just I feel like I'm just not doing anything with my life. You know like. Oh <laughs> here this guy's like figured out like oh, i want some, some of the boat too like son of a bitch man god damn he's 36 big head of hair fucking great mustache hey, hey, man. i'll I talk just, to you guys later.
3: i, just, <laughs> fuck this, I man. just i just sell silly boats you know that's, man, that's i've awesome. had customers call me up they're like do you do you make those silly boats <laughs> those silly boat so i wanted to rebrand her company and just call it like the silly boat company apparently but i like but it but honestly like Yeah, so now when we build the boats, all the colors are standardized, production is so much easier and smoother, it all goes through one purchasing entity, right? The other part is now, you know, when people call me up, if they're new to the industry, if I sold them an outside boat, I'm going to have to spend dozens of hours helping them get started, no matter what. And so basically, I tell them, like, look, you know, you're going to need to join the franchise, you know, because you need our help, and we have the answers, and you're going to make more money working with us than you would without you know, it's it's a different story if they're already an existing operator, and and the answer right now is we just don't have room in our production. But for everyone else who calls me up, it, it, the answer is like, you know, you're going to get this money back and then some because we know this industry, we're the biggest player out there, and we're going to provide you all the resources you need in an organized way. So,
2: do you sell like potato chips on the side, or like what's happening behind you, man? What really?
3: That's just like your chip so, station. <laughs> so chips. like yeah i have a chip i have a chip company as well we just start no i'm just
2: kidding. i'm like really <laughs> i am like. I mean Jesus Christ. i thought i really thought that figure going go with it man
3: like, that's that's an i love a lot of chips so i just get them wholesale you know it, it's all i eat <laughs> i eat chips three meals a day and uh, no um so right now 'Cause I have good internet access. I'm in our trolley pub headquarters building. So this is a little beer and wine shop we have here in Raleigh. Uh, okay. I thought you were I thought like I was just I just man, I thought you there was some weird eccentricity there that I didn't know I, about. Like that's you just love chips. You're like Yeah. You I'm
2: look like a pretty healthy fan. guy,
3: dude. <laughs> I no lie. Like my lunch every single day is three beef sticks and a mini bag of salt and vinegar chips. I eat that for lunch every single day. So you are not a healthy guy. <laughs> <laughs> is that unhealthy? I feel like protein. You got, you got a lot of good stuff in there. Potatoes are vegetable. I'm just eating vegetables and proteins. It's yeah. keto.
0: You know, I don't know. You know, obviously building this business has not always been easy, right? So, um this, this situation when you uh, when you start started paddle pub, uh, you had some issues with the boat being delayed. Tell us tell us more about that because it's it was kind of interesting.
3: Yeah. So, <laughs> in the in the early days, trying to get one of these boats like from the process, the first time we got the idea I was like, all right, we're gonna build some boats. To the time we got our first boat, it had to be at least a year and a half, and we thought it would happen in six months. So, that process took forever. So I built the first boat out of a contract manufacturer in Indiana. Didn't go super smoothly. It was delayed six months and cost like twice as much as we expected. Anyways, we sent that boat up to Madison, to one of our smaller markets where it's done great. And I got linked up with Trident Pontoons, which is our partner down there. They're the largest, probably the largest, commercial pontoon boat manufacturer. And I got wind that they were working on sort of a cycle boat concept. And so I went down there and took a look, really liked the boats in this facility, and we ended up striking a partnership, right? So he builds the boats up to the hull, you know, and then I do, on our shop, we build everything from there up. Um, at some point next year, we're going to start building our own hulls, but we need to do it in a way it's not going to impact our speed. Anyway, so I ordered the first boat through Robbie before we started our partnership, and it ended up taking, and I was super excited, and again, green to the boating world, Right. So you know, I drive down to Miami, look for a slip, can't really find anything, and then finally find this spot up the Miami River and walk in there and be like, I need a slip. He happens to have one. It's $1,900 a month. I'm like, okay, cool. So I put the money down, start paying for it, and the boat was supposed to come in two months. Well, the boat didn't come for nine months. Mm -hmm. So here we are paying for a slip that we can't use. It's really expensive. And he won't let me sublet it out. I learned that some of these smaller marinas and stuff like that, like they'll just they'll leave you out there to dry, you know. Like he wasn't going to work hmm. with me at all. He wouldn't let me out of the slip. would to let me sublet it. Kind of threatened to kick us out. But I didn't want to lose my competitive advantage. So I'm like, this is a great slip, so I got to keep paying and paying and paying. Finally, at the end of this period, the boat finishes. We bring it down to Miami, and this is just like one crazy war story. <laughs> and I hired this expensive videographer, photographer. This is going to be our big coming out party. I fly friends in from other places in the country. We're all together. And literally, we take the boat out. And one of the brackets that holds up the wheel just shears off. And the wheel's just like dangling in the water (laughs) in front of all my friends. And after all that work, and then, you know, nothing happened that weekend. I was super bummed. And it was just like my first taste of everything that goes wrong, right? Difficulties, finding Mm. slips, signing a wrong slip, not being able to get out of it like repair and maintenance issues boat manufacturers being late like you know that's a normal thing um and just heartbreak that happens again and again like i was looking forward to that weekend for a year and it was supposed to be this great thing and instead we were all sitting in a bar being like oh man that sucks right like so that was that was how I got into the business that was my first weekend
2: <laughs> yeah man there's god I think everybody especially in, in our industry is like really feels it like everybody comes in like bright-eyed and you know oh man yeah boating and money that always like works yeah. out you know like boats always equate to like money like yeah right <laughs> can go the other way my man like that yep. you know well- but you can't you can't separate a boy in his dream. But yeah, I, like when I started in this business, you know, I was like, I looked like I was Greg. You know, I was like, I was twenty five, man. You know, and now I'm like, I look like fucking Grizzly Adams, more fucking. Ugh. Yeah, it's the it's some of it. It's like those. It's like crack, man. You know, it's like those big wins. You know, you're like, and you just keep on. It's like you're glutton for punishment, man, you know you gotta like either just like love getting kicked in the balls or just love the feeling of. Of like recovering from getting kicked in the balls, was like one of the you know it's like either you know like you're like you're just waiting for that moment to like we have cured you of cancer, Mister O'Neill, you're gonna live, and you're like yes, but the entire the ninety nine percent of the time you're just like fucking like
3: I'm gonna die, dude. <laughs> that's it, man. Like you, to be to actually like being in this industry, you basically have to take the pain. You have you gotta to be, be someone needing to take the pain. <laughs> again and again and again and you're right the feeling that you get when you fix the problem like to me like that's what drives me right like i have so many mistakes and so many things go wrong and so many like painful moments even emotionally you know along this like crazy roller coaster but you're right like it's that feeling when you get over that that slump and you find a problem it feels so good
0: yeah
2: and I, I think that the, the best i think that i think the best entrepreneur is probably in the world man like the ones that like been able to calcify themselves against those, these sort of you know these sort of big shots, you know. Like it is really funny if you go backwards to in time and you start thinking about like the gut shots that you experienced in the beginning that you thought were gut shots. That if you could go yeah. to that person, and go, dude. <laughs> Nothing, man. Like, what's yeah. coming down the pipe is gonna fucking make you like just be like, fuck, man, man, pack a bag, join the circus, whatever it is, get the fuck out of that. Do you think this is heartache, my like, man? We're just getting started, and sometimes, like you know, it's it's almost like a weird excitement. Like I, like I personally feel, I'm like, oh shit, man, like. What horrific thing is coming down next? You know, like this is going to be a real fucking barn burner. And then, like, once I overcome that, like, I just every year I just I just would look back, like, going through like COVID, and I'm like, well, if this doesn't beat me, nothing will. And then this year we had another little thing, like aside from COVID, I'm not going to talk about just yet. (laughs) But we had another thing happen, and that it was like another like whole shit. You know, like 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 one of those moments where like world rocking moments, and it's like, all right, well, we're going to get over that too, and then we're going to get over it we're gonna get over it we're gonna get over it because like the wheel just keeps on turning and like less you put the brakes on and I think that's what a, you know a lot of people don't understand and what happens to a lot of guys is they end up getting burned out like unless they're Addicted to that one moment where you're like, "Bing," and it's like, I think, I think it's from the first light bulb. Those of us that it, it burned really bright for for us, it's the first light bulb that went off where the first time you felt like, "Oh man, I can make this possible. I can make this thing happen." And if I put my mind to, I can realize it. And you're like looking at your first website, and you're looking at your first boat in the water, and you're like looking at your first customer, your first phone call. And then, you know, like to that, like you're just always it's like the band, right? That like got that little like taste of fame there, or that won't give it up, man. They're like still playing in like like 80, you know what I mean, 30 years where they're <laughs> playing like shitty clubs, and they're like, I'm not giving up the dream, you know? Like I think that's um I think that's what does it for most of us, you know. You're just like, man, I'm just you know, not gonna give up that ghost. And and I, and, and luckily enough, I think the people that continue doing that, like even if they take like I've seen a lot of guys take like gone completely backwards or lose everything and like come back from that. And I, I just, I, I think that's where it is, is that first light that went off in your head. Like if it never shuts off in your brain, like if that light is just still on there, even in the darkest of times, Then like it can fucking illuminate. I mean the darkest of times. And I don't know. I I, I know that no matter what trials and tribulations I've it's like, as long as that light stays on somewhere in, in me, like I'm going to, you know, come back and hit it harder and, you know, I mean, you seem like that kind of guy too, Kai. And I mean, I know Greg is for sure as well.
3: Yeah, that's why I always tell people when they tell me want their scale their business. That's why you have to ask them, like, are you sure you want to do this? Because if that light's not on, that's why I said they have to be passionate about it. Because if you're not passionate about it, you're not going to take the pain. You're going to burn out, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to have that light, whether that passion is about the business itself or like what it means to you to run it um if that isn't super strong in the beginning like i said you're going to get beat up and you're going to quit right so you have to you have to have that the cool thing about franchising too is i get to relive all this stuff now which is Hmm. honestly like my favorite part about this right i get to meet people who are at the very beginning of starting their business just like i was 10 years ago and now i get to relive all these awesome early victories with them and uh so it's an amazing job like it's perfect for me because i I love revisiting that and seeing them get excited about it and their excitement about it like constantly reinvigorates me about why i love what i do because without them you know i wouldn't be as exposed to that energy anymore because opening a new city to me now is just like okay we got to do this and this but i'm working with them and it's like their first second city they're opening and they're pumped and they're jacked about it i'm flying out there and they're like waving their arms in the round and breaking champagne bottles christening boats like that's awesome yeah Yeah. it fires me up and and that's great and then you sell them a boat and then like parts
2: of it break off and you're like oh it's part of the whole thing see you later (laughs) (laughs) rich bitch (laughs) <laughs> welcome, welcome. Trust me, man. You're gonna thank me for this later. I'm like,
3: Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's a learning experience, dude. Yeah. The yeah. Whole- that's oh man, that's
2: awesome, man. That is that's an incredible story you had. That's yeah. that's awesome, and I think our listeners are really really gonna appreciate. We, we a lot of a lot of guys are constantly asking us to have like more guests on and stuff like that and um man for our fifth or number 50 man it's a it's a good story man and great to have you and and shit man like i really forward, i look forward to uh, commiserating with you at arrival man or if, we, if yeah. we end up at our water sports forum
3: uh then too or i'm going i'll kill him <laughs> let's do it yeah, man.
0: Are we what gonna see? Yeah, are we gonna are we gonna see some of your franchisees so we can ask them how how Look their experience Greg, selling, was? just someone. <laughs> are we gonna? Yeah. <laughs>
3: I'm gonna I'm gonna invite them. I'm gonna Good invite deal. them. Yeah. Sure. So looking forward to it. And yeah, thanks for having. Me. This is super fun. I've never done you know anything like this before. So it's yeah, neither of we. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really. Okay. I, I can see it in your eyes. I can see
2: it in your eyes. <laughs> hey, listen, well, man. I will, I, I enjoyed this one. This is a good one, man. Like, there's, there's, there's like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know that there's anybody that's really come on the show that I haven't had some type of contact with, like, after via, like, even like social media. Uh, just as we talked about earlier, not like, you know, that I'm like trying to, like, oh man, like, you to put you in my network. You know, it's just like, to be able to talk to people on the same level that get it, that understand like everything because we're, it's pretty niche, man. You know what I mean? Like the water, water sport, water tours, whatever, water adventures, that, that shit that we do. I mean, you sit down and, and talk to a guy that's like made their money off of you know boats and doing shit on the water like like selling boats and being like a marina is like a kind of like a whole you know they got their fucking sh- you know their like little sh- columbia shirts like buttoned up you know but they're like <laughs> you know salty guys that have like made money through businesses on the water and providing like tourism and fun and like lifestyle business but also can be extremely lucrative and i don't think anybody's like Necessarily wants to be like a 70 year old tour guide, you know, so I think everybody to some point wants to scale. So to have these like conversations and talk with guys like like understand like water and business and this whole sort of thing, man, it's like a it's like a a camaraderie that I never thought I would kind of like make again, like I thought it was just driving the boats. I was a captain before this. So like driving the boat, I mean, I'm still a captain, but I mean, driving the boat. I see
3: the t-shirt. It's on your t-shirt.
2: The only reason I like, if I put on this shirt during operating hours... I got it. <clears throat> it's gonna happen. Someone's gonna call me and they're gonna be like problem solve. So this is like <laughs> everything's like we have a hurt. We have like bad weather right now. So this is like the one time you catch me wearing like a Destiny Water Adventure shirt. Like I am so superstitious about it because every time I put it on, they'll like call me with some crazy shit that I, I'm like, oh my god, you like really like it's something like only I can fucking fix. So um, we're at the end of our season, so I'm like I'm like not wearing the shirts too much. <laughs> but, <laughs> But yeah, so like right now, like I, and I'm sure I'm going to get off the phone and drive by my docks later to go meet with them for dinner. I'm going to see like one of our boats sinking or something. I'm like, right. Like no more. Uh, but yeah, you know, you have these type of relationships you make on the water and, um, it, it's not, they're not as easy to make in a, in an office. You know what I mean? So, I mean, we really appreciate you coming on and doing the show and, and sharing your time and sharing your story, man. It's a great one. And, um, yeah, man, it's, it's been a great show. Thanks
3: for doing it, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks guys. If you want to learn more, you just go to paddlepub.com or tourshell.com and I'm happy to talk to anyone and really. Cool. What's your yeah. personal
2: phone number? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and Kai, you're yeah, you're in sure. our Facebook group too. So if anyone wants to yeah. reach out to Kai, just just tag him and, or message him. He's in there. He he I see you commenting on things every now and then. Um, All right. Well, that wraps it up. We'll see. We'll see Kai and hopefully everybody at the WaterSport Forum October 18th. We'll have more information posted on our Facebook group and look forward to seeing one even there. So as always, keep it awkward.
1: You've been listening to the Awkward Water Sport Guys podcast. If you're in the water sport industry, this is the podcast that brings the business perspective to parasailing, jet and ski boat rentals, sailing, snorkeling, and everything else. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Be sure to sign up to our email list at watersportpodcast.com and subscribe in your favorite podcast app. We'll see you next time, and thanks for listening.
0: Thanks again for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. And if you have further thoughts, questions, or comments about this episode, head to our Facebook group, Watersport and Boat Tour Operators to continue the conversation. See you next time.